Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and for once, it is not me who is struggling with a kicker on their football team. It is not It is not me crying over it. it Kickers is, uh, suck. Move on, Paige. They're not people anymore. I hate them all. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely coming from the kicker on this podcast. Uh, we are going to get into a lot of stuff. We're going to go game by game, give our fantasy takeaways, preview Monday Night Football, uh, and we're going to address the panic meter. I got four guys that people are panicking on. And uh, I, I haven't told either Jake or Jamie about him beforehand, so I want the raw reaction. And obviously, the headlines up at the top. Let's start off with Danny Dimes. Uh, okay, Daniel Jones goes. Greatest quarterback in the history of our great sport. <laughs> he, no. goes, he goes to Tampa, right? And, and the context here is the, 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 this defense had been looking really good, right? And, and, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles were 9-0 and against rookie quarterbacks going into this game. I thought this was – I was really looking – I was like, okay, this is a good matchup for Tampa. And in the, if you only watch the first half, that was the storyline, right? Although from the very beginning, Daniel Jones looked really good. Um, the, the person I'm most interested to talk to about this is Jake because, one, obviously from a Buccaneers perspective, but two, he's been talking about Daniel Jones in a positive light for a while. And uh, I can say that he's been the only one, right? Because this was by far and away the most negative reaction for a draft pick I can remember in a very long time. So, Jake, your reaction to Danny Dimes mania? Well, we'll start with Danny Dimes. And I was high on him. I wasn't high enough to take him at six. I said, question the draft pick all you want. Because they ended up with three first rounders and they could have taken him at any of them. They took him at one. The kid looked phenomenal in the preseason. The stuff we talk about all the time that you can take from the preseason is when you see consistency throughout different games. It doesn't matter which defenses you're playing. If a quarterback is accurate and he's making fast decisions with the ball, then you know he's cerebral. You know he's seeing what he's thinking he's going to see pre-snap. And if he's throwing it accurately, that's a huge sign of things to come. He did it without throwing any interceptions in preseason, had a high completion percentage, threw it down the field, and you saw it again yesterday. The kid's athletic as hell. He had two touchdowns running on a naked boot, but they put the boots and the nakeds and that kind of stuff in their offense that Eli cannot run. Not only that, he slid in the pocket and had his eyes down the field. They had pressure on him the entire first half. The entire first half, a hand in his face, and he was throwing dimes. Perfectly accurate passes down the field to the sidelines, digs, comebacks, the whole route tree. He looked spectacular. Their offensive line was is not that good. They couldn't run the ball. The Bucks tie bowls are going to stop the run. They put it on the rookie, and the kid was sensational. They blew a couple coverages in the second half. They did a much better job of not blitzing him. The front four got there, and they could they knew they couldn't run it because they were down eighteen at the half, and he still made plays. Like the kid was amazing. I, I don't I don't know what you could say other than two touchdowns throwing, two touchdowns passing, three hundred and something yards. Put the entire city, the organization, the team, everything on his back, and was sensational. Yeah, not only that, right? But without 
uh, without all of the offensive unit here, right? Saquon goes down early and, and isn't himself. Came back a little bit, then got re-injured again. Goes out for the game. Uh, the, I think my single greatest moment of this game is watching Saquon uh, hobble, the- hobble himself out there yeah. to celebrate with his team. I, I mean, it was uh, – I watched that run, right? You watched Daniel Jones run for the first time and you go, okay, well, Eli could never do that. So yeah. this uh, instantaneously upgrade because he can get out of the pocket and scramble a little bit. Jamie, obviously – New Yorker, if you guys didn't know, grew up there. So what are your thoughts on, on Daniel Jones and just understanding the context of how hard it is to be a quarterback in New York? Look, there are going to be a lot of ups and downs, but the word I would use was poise. I was shocked at how poised he was because Todd Bowles got after him. I mean, Shaq Barrett was going to be like in his nightmares still. Like yeah. He could have had five sacks in that game. By the way, I wonder what he's spending his quarter mil on today for hitting that sack bonus in his contract. Um, but like he was pressured all day long, like top and they got there. It's not like they pressured in the, the line. I mean, look, Nate Solder had a lot of struggles there, that left tackle. They got there and it didn't matter. It didn't rattle him. He still made his throws. He got hit. He got back up, made the next play pocket awareness. Like on that last play where he, he just run, it's not a design draw. He just goes back and sees the linebacker turn and he's got a free lane right into the end zone. He didn't panic. I, I love the way he played in that game. Um, I'm really encouraged for the future. There's going to be some tough times. The Giants are still not a very good team, but and Saquon's going to be out for a while. But he's going to get Golden Tate back, which I think will be a very a much welcome safety blanket for him. Having two guys like that in the middle of the field with Golden Tate and Evan Ingram, he still got Sterling Shepard there. So there's there's a lot to be positive about. And considering that everyone decided that they hated him, yeah, uh, it's been this weird dynamic because. Up until that first drive of the preseason, he was like a pariah for no other reason than the team decided to draft him too high. Yeah. Then he didn't you do anything. you got to give the kid props for the way he handled that whole stuff in the preseason, too. Like, this whole entire offseason, he's the most hated son of a bitch in the state of New York for nothing yeah. that he did. And he yeah. went out and balled the preseason, kept his mouth shut, was a pro. And you got to give Eli Manning a ton of credit here, too. This should have happened five years ago. They just didn't have a Daniel Jones to do it with. But Eli is the pro's pro. Because you know he was in there at halftime coaching him up. He stood there and was slapping high fives with him with a big, real smile on his face on the sidelines. When you know he's gutted inside, he's a competitor. But give him a ton of damn credit, too, with the way that they've handled this whole thing. Look, somebody else I want to give credit to is James Betcher's defense has no players. Their best defensive player went out in the first half, Alec Ogletree, and made some serious adjustments at halftime. He's a Todd Bowles disciple. He was doing the exact same thing in the first half, playing man blitzing and getting torched. Because Janoris Jenkins could not cover Mike Evans to save his life, nope. and Jameis Winston was on fire. He yeah. went out and rushed four in the second half, dropped into coverage. The Bucs want to run the ball. They're up by 18, but they gave up a 75-yard touchdown to start the second half. They dropped an interception in the first half that could have been a pick six. They missed two extra points. We missed the kick at the end. The Buccaneers had the game in hand and gave it away. But Daniel Jones made enough plays and made enough plays in the first half. Like they went up and down the field, they he, just no, the red he, zone he, offense, he a lot the red of zone credit. defense I mean, for the Bucks the gave up their first touchdown of the year. Had him some field goals, but look, the Giants made some. I mean, they did some really nice things. It was a great job by by James Betcher at halftime. One way ever, right? Ever. I don't remember ever it being so negative. And like you guys said. The, the reality is he didn't do anything. He didn't draft himself. He wasn't the person who went out there and took that six pick and, and drafted him. That's what, that's what Dave Gettleman chose to do. That's what that coaching staff chose to do. So it really never made sense for him to receive 
all of that negativity, but we know how New York is. It's New we York. know how the media is. And the reality is if he ends up to continue to ball out, all that negativity will t- it. You're never going to be loved more or hated more than you are there. And it will be a game by game thing. Absolutely. Like that, that is New York. Yeah. Jamie hit the nail on the head. They're not that good. But yeah. build around this kid. Golden Tate coming back, huge. If Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Ingram, and Saquon are healthy, the way that this kid can move around, they're going to be fine on offense. They don't have that many pieces on defense, but like they're still they're going to. There's a huge upgrade at the position. Yeah, you're you're building, you're moving. Um, and, and listen, this is a this is I always I, I I never root for people to fail, right? Like this is I am I am loving even as somebody who has a vested interest in my in my analysts at the draft network to be right. I'm rooting against them because this is so entertaining to watch that every analyst could end up being very, very wrong. Right? Look, you, you guys know me well, right? So you understand how pissed off I was at the end of this game. I know. And the first thing I did was grab my phone and I started a tweet of saying, congratulations, Daniel Jones, you played your ass off. And it was impressive. And I erased it because if I did that, I would have had to comment on all the other other shit I didn't want to comment on. <laughs> so I erased it. But the first thing I wanted to do, as pissed off as I was, I was that impressed with the kid. Like, it was a hell of a damn debut. No, he, deserve, he deserves all the credit in the world. And, and we will revisit Danny Dimes as we continue uh, through the season. Uh, we, listen, we, we talked about it a little bit, but the Saquon injury obviously has a huge impact on a fantasy perspective. Jamie, your thoughts on on what you're willing to spend to get Wayne Gallman uh, to back him up for a few weeks because it is a high ankle sprain. It's not going to be – when I initially saw it, I thought it might be worse, right? And, yeah. and it looks like it's going to be at least a few weeks, but not the full season, not 12 – you know, not eight weeks. It, probably it'll be, not. Probably we'll not. see what the MRI says. See if there's – there's significant – I mean, there's always a torn tear when it's a sprain. But, like, if it's a significantly torn ligament, we'll see how long, how long he's out. You know, uh, Wayne Gallman's obviously clearly the backup there, and he was getting a little bit of play. He actually got significant play late last season. I don't think people were aware because Saquon was also putting up numbers that they forgot that Wayne Gallman was also on the field a lot. Um, so, I mean, I might be willing – if I have Saquon and I don't have a, a legitimate other option there at running back or flex, I might go half my fab budget on, on Wayne Gallman knowing that he's at least a handcuff for me if Saquon comes back and tweaks it again in a couple weeks. Uh, I would maybe go to – 30 to 40% if I don't have Saquon on him and I need that spot. Again, if you, you have to consider, are you going to play him this coming week? And the reason why I say that is sometimes people make the mistake of spending a lot of fab budget on guys they have really no intention of playing anytime soon, and you're just wasting that fab budget. If that's somebody that has a legit chance to start in your lineup the next few weeks, then by all means, go out and get them. But with any, whenever you're dealing with fab budget above like a dollar or two, really go out and consider – Am I playing this person right away? Because you don't want to spend forty dollars on the stash. Yeah, no, I, 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 I picked Wayne Gallman up. I waiver claimed him. Right, I was the first waiver claim, and I got him because I have Saquon. But I have options on my bench that might be better than Wayne Gallman. I got to see, right? And, and yeah. but that's different. I'm not spending. I don't have the budget that I'm spending right in in that league. Now, if you drafted Saquon number one overall, like I did, this is obviously the worst case scenario. Yes. But he's not out for the season, right? So it, it could again, it could have been like I said. Could have been much worse. 
you've seen on a week-to-week basis there's been a lot of the top-tier guys that haven't ended up being the, the, the best guys. And the guy that needs the most credit right now is Delvin Cook, who's looked like the best running back that yeah. we've seen in a while. Uh, but, but shout the, out Jake for, for telling everybody that in the offseason. But for the most part, those top four guys that everybody told you about, I mean, look, Saquon got hurt, but he's been fine this yep, year. Zeke's absolutely. been a monster. Christian McCaffrey looks like a great, just a with the exception awesome of one player. game. And Alvin Kamara's been good. Yep. Like, I know he didn't have a great game two weeks ago, but he was fine. And he yeah. had another great game this week. They're going to end up being the top tier guys, so, just like they always yeah, are. Yeah, so I those, mean, those guys, if you invested those top picks in them, you've gotten a return on your investment. Look, the injury sucks. You, yeah, of course. It's Part of part of being a running back in the NFL, you're going to have to deal with an injury at some point. It's yeah. just the nature of the business. Um, all right, Julian Edelman injury X-ray came, comes back negative. Uh, this is obviously good news. You got to wait and see on on him and his timetable. Jake, the the fantasy impact here for maybe Tom Brady. I know you have him on one of your teams, and then uh, obviously the Patriots in general. I got Brady and Edelman together in our TDN league. Um, He's a pro's pro. He's going to come back. I mean, if it's a soreness thing, if the x-rays are negative, he's fine. I, I can't imagine he misses any time, uh, really at all. I mean, they, they're 3-0, and and they're playing the Bills are 3-0. and And without Edelman in this lineup and A.B. gone, Philip Dorsett looks damn good. I don't know what they did to him in the last two years to turn his entire career around, but he's not Edelman. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he misses significant time. I mean, you're talking about Saquon. I bet you he's back a week earlier than anybody else in the world would be, just with his work ethic alone, how strong his legs are. Um, and I, I don't think Edelman, I don't think Edelman misses any time. Yeah, pros, pro, like you said, uh, not much. Certain time. guys come back and do it. Certain guys don't. Like yeah. some guys are going to linger this out for a week, but Edelman's not that dude. I mean, he's, he's going to be back, you know. Not everybody has the TB12 therapy sessions that are happening. That's very true. Uh, I mean, come on. We know we know what works. Uh, we don't know what happens there, but we know it works. So, um, all right, let's get into the panic meter here. So I have I have four guys, like I said at the top of the podcast, that I did not tell uh, Jake or Jamie about, and this is this is a reflection of the amount of questions we've received on these guys. Starter sit going into it the amount of angry tweets I've seen about these guys during and post games. And then uh, shout out to fantasy pros who put together a pretty solid list that you guys can check out that has the panic meter. And to be fair, all of these guys, there's some level of justification for them being on this list. So first and foremost, we will start off with wide receiver Stefan Diggs. Now we talked about this going into the season. It was going to be tough to predict on a week to week basis. We knew they were going to run the football, right? Coach got fired, an offensive coordinator got fired. Mike Zimmer, we knew they were going to run the football. And last week in Green Bay, they put it on Kirk Cousins, and it turned out badly. So you knew going forward, if this team is going to win football games, they're going to run, run, run the football. And then this week, it was the Adam Thielen show. He was the guy you wanted over Diggs. So, Jamie, I'll go to you first. What's your level of concern? Let's go one to five on the panic meter from what you've seen from Stephon Diggs so far. Three and a half. Um, I look, this is part of what owning a Vikings wide receiver is going to be. Um, I mean, Thielen had a, a good game, but it's cause he got in the end zone a couple times. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like these guys have been getting 12 catches and it, it, it yeah, hasn't been, been the throwing same. The ball. Yeah. It hasn't been the same. And by the way, why would you when Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison are averaging like eight yards a carry? Like Absolutely. why would you ever throw the ball? Uh, but I, I am a little worried about it. And he's, he's now somebody that when I'm going to do my rankings, it is probably going to be ranked in like a flex territory for next week and not a must start. I mean, I had them both as wide receiver twos. And I said, you know, this was kind of the final week where people kind of come off of these guys after one week. I, I want to see 
two or three weeks because I want to see how they were played in different game scripts, different when they're up, when they're down, at home, on the road. I just kind of want to see a bigger sample size. And this is enough to tell me, like he had he didn't barely any targets in this game. Like he had like three targets. Yeah. Like I just it, it's it's concerning to me. And he's now somebody that you might look and say I might have a better wide receiver option on my bench. Guys, this game was twenty-one-seven fast. Uh, my panic meter is three, but my panic meter was three before the season started. I did not like this situation. I didn't want to have ownership in either one unless I just didn't have any other options where I was drafting. I know that was a situation with Paige. You didn't really want to take Thielen where you took him, but you drafted first in our TDN league. You didn't really have a choice. He was he just fell to you. Um, they're going to run the rock. Their defense is really, really good. They're going to throw it as few times as they have to if they're playing complimentary football, which they've been doing. I say you know, three, three and a half, but I didn't like it going into the season. I don't. I I, I kind of saw this exact same thing coming. That's why I was so high on Dalvin Cook being healthy in the way that he looked in the preseason. So I don't think it's really changed a whole lot. I wouldn't want to own either one of them, and I don't think you're just going to have to get lucky week to week. Yeah, uh, mine is a three as well. I, I think from a from our perspective, we we talked about this as much going into the season, right? We knew that this was going to be the case. You got to understand. You might under You might want like we talk about. You might want both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs to get a lot of targets. Because guess what? They're both really damn good wide receivers. The Minnesota Vikings do not care what you want for your fantasy team because it is not good for their football team to do that. Kirk Cousins has shown time and time again, when you put the ball in his hands to win football games, it doesn't turn out well. And Dalvin Cook is a absolute monster. So why would you do that? I'm just, you just you got to get it out of your head, yeah. right? I understand. Listen, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, both very talented guys, but three targets. I mean, three. That's how many Stephon Diggs had this week. They threw the ball ten times in the first game total. It, it's just that's not great if you own either one of these guys. I got lucky because Thielen had a had a good week, and it is good to see him getting targeted in the red zone a yeah. lot more than Diggs is. Thielen has a higher floor. Like, yes. that's the reality. Like, yes. Thielen has. Yes, Stephon Diggs could have a four catch 120 yard two touchdown game some at some point and he probably will at some point this season but you're not going to know what it's going to be yeah. at least with Thielen you know you're going to get five to ten targets a game and he's he getting should do more something the, with it yeah he's getting more of the target share right yeah. and perfect example of when real football and fantasy football mix yeah they threw it more than any team in the NFL for the first 12 weeks last week and the average average casual fan or fantasy big big fantasy football fan didn't pay attention to John DeFilippo got fired for that reason when he got fired, they ran it a lot more the last four weeks. Another offseason off an ACL for Cook to come back and be the freak that he was coming out of college. And the concerted effort of bringing in Kubiak and the offensive coordinator and the head coach saying, this is how we're going to play football. There's no analytics that tell you that. You have to pay attention or listen to the show to know that's exactly what was going to happen. They're not going to throw it anywhere near the amount they threw it last year when those guys were having these big high-flying weeks. And it's working. Yeah. Like Yes. Cook they're looks, damn good. Cook looks like the best player in football right now. Yeah, and the game that they lost to Green Bay, what did I say? They put it in Kirk Cousins' hand, and they should have run the football more. They just that, that they would have won that football against Green Bay if they remembered that they had a really good defense in the first half and ran the football, right? That, Kirk Cousins did not make good throws. He made a horrible decision in the red zone. It was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen, and you're looking and you're going, Dalvin Cook. Seriously. Yeah, but game flow killed them. They were down, what, 21-7 or 21 nothing in the blink of an eye. Yep. And they had to change what they wanted to do. Yep. It put them in a tough position, and, and, it, and it forced them to put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands. Don't expect that a lot going forward. All right, this one this one pains me because he's on my team, and I've received so many questions. And I feel like I've gone to bat for this guy 
So is Jamie. We've battled for him, and he keeps fumbling the damn ball. Oh, I know where this is Okay? This is Chris Carson. Bro, please practice holding on to the ball because the only reason you're not getting the proper amount of touches is because you keep fumbling. He ran 26-yard, beautiful run, fumbles the ball right at the end. Yeah. I, I, the panic meter is at a – mostly because I'm emotional about this one is at like a four because I'm aggravated with this one. Here's the concern. Who are you giving the ball to? Rashad Penny's hurt. Yeah. Exactly. That's why it's a one and a half. Yeah. It's yeah, a one and a half other than the emotion because they're not giving it to anybody else. And game yeah. flow – yeah. Game flow killed his carries, not the fumble. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? Give CJ Persize twenty five touches? No. Like, what are you gonna like? What is that's the alternative? Like, uh, look, the fumbles are a concern. I because again, what's the best way to get a talented player on the bench is not holding on to the ball. Yeah. Uh, but um, look, I understand the concern. With, if Chris Carson had two rushing touchdowns this year, nobody would care. They'd be saying this was a great pick. I'm so glad I spent my third round pick on him. Like, he has been fine. Just hasn't gotten into the end zone the last couple of weeks. Like, I, I that's going to happen. Like, look, Derrick Henry's going to fall into the end zone every play. Like, Derrick Henry's look terrible for large stretches of the season, but he falls into the end zone, so everybody thinks he's great. Yeah. Like, I understand that's a part of it, and you don't want to hear, well, I don't care if he doesn't look good, I just need the points. I understand. But you have to, it's not that he has been bad, it's that he hasn't gotten in the end zone. And as I went over last week on the show, on the same Monday show, only two guys last year scored a touchdown per game. Yeah. Kamara and Gurley. Yeah. And, I, and we might have a season where nobody scored a touchdown in a game. Maybe only one player does. So there's going to be these fluctuations. But any concern I had about him continuing to fumble, which I do have, it's three in the last two weeks. Rashad Penny's hurt for a while. Like, they're not, there's nobody else there. No, you have to, as, as I said, my emotion a four, but in reality a one because of everything that the guys just said, right? He's going to get the football. This game was also very bizarre from the fact that it put the Seahawks in a bad position because of a special teams touchdown. And you had, you got, you kind of had a lot of, this, this was a weird game to watch. I was, I watched most of this game and I thought to myself, are the Saints good or am I, I just, it was, it was confusing for me to watch across the board. I think Seattle kind of overlooked it. Then Russell Wilson ended up balling out at the end because he's the best fourth quarter quarterback I think I've ever seen. Yeah, right? but he just, it, it helps if you're not down three scores. Yeah, I, I, other than that play at the end should be outlawed from football. If you have no chance to kick off, why do you run an untimed down if you're down by 15? They just end the game. Yeah, and they don't even allow- That pissed off and made a lot of fantasy owners really freaking happy. Including Paige, yep. while you're talking about it, but like there's there's no way that should even be part of football. Forty one points in the game, Russell Wilson. If you can't kick off and get it again to score, why is that? Why is there an untimed out? It makes no sense to even keep that as part of the game. Look, this is a one and a half unless the first round running back from last year's draft, which they overreached on, we all agreed on, yeah, yeah. is healthy. Mm-hmm. He's not. And by the way, the panic meter should be really low. They play the Cardinals next week. Yeah, uh, but that was the other this week. For this was I was going to say I'm really not concerned because I really like the matchup next week, right? You're 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 looking and you're going, yeah, he'll bounce back, he'll be fine, right? And that's that's oh, yeah. part of this when you look at these panic meters. All right, another running back. This one is is interesting, and I and I will toss it to Jake first because Jake has mentioned for a while that James Conner did not look like the same back last year towards the end of the season and there's statistic to back it up and he has kind of mostly looked like that same guy for the beginning of this season so jake i'll go to you first here what is your level of panic with james connor i'm glad i don't own him jamie and i fought over him in different leagues last year i got him in two and and jamie got him in ours um and he he hurt you late but he was spectacular early look the kid's story is amazing but what his body's gone through just to live much less play football 
I don't have any factual evidence to back this up, but I, I just, you can't help but think the toll that it took for the first 12 games, he ran so hard and was so emotional to be the starting running back in Pittsburgh for the Steelers. I don't know that his body's ever going to recover. You're talking about a kid that beat cancer like to come back to play in the NFL. I'd be very concerned. I, it probably is a four and a half because they're not going to run the ball a ton. Benny Snell, they drafted this year. They like Samuels. They like catching it. And he doesn't look like the same guy. It, it's, it's very, very high. And it's a shame because I really like the kid. I love his spirit. I just, he doesn't look the same. And I think, and he should because it's early in the season and he hasn't had a lot of wear and tear on his body this year. He didn't have any injuries coming in. It's high and it's, it's a shame. I, I, unfortunately, I have a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of experience with this, right? My brother had cancer and was a division one basketball player with 4% body fat at the peak of his physical. And I watched what it does to your body. And I, I will tell you, he's two and a half years removed and he's still dealing with what is lingering energy issues. And, and it, it, it I just, I can't tell, like I've, I've told Jamie a million times, I would not wish it on my worst enemy because it doesn't matter how physically strong you are, how healthy you are. You can be at the peak of your physical shape. It takes a massive toll on your body. And it is hard for me not to think that that has an impact here because he just, just looks slow and he looks tired at moments. And I, my panic meter is, is high because it's high, but it's not as high as I guess other people. Cause I didn't expect him to be that great this year, Jamie. Yeah. I mean, it's a five for me yeah. and it's because of where you drafted him. This is yeah. not a, somebody you took in the fourth. Or yeah, fifth. exactly. Great point, Jamie. Great this point. You took at the end of the first round in most cases, or maybe yeah. he fell to you at, at the turn. So this is somebody who spent a top 15 pick on guaranteed and maybe a, a top 10 pick on that you, I mean, look, I'm going to get to point my rankings this week. And, and this is tough for me because there are, I'm, I'm a big player studs guy because I feel like when you, when you start to mess with that, let's say, you were, let's say you were Joe Mixon owner and you benched him this week. When you start to mess with that, you get in trouble. The problem is this isn't a two-game sample. This is not a three-game sample. This is an extended period. As, as Jake said, I had him at the end of last year. I remember what it was like. I also don't really want to be attached much to this Pittsburgh offense. Like this, it's just not – I mean, if you watch that game, it is not a good offense. And it's just, it's not something that I really want to have a lot of shares of. And I understand that you're at the point where this is the, you're going into the first set of bye weeks. Now the first two weeks set of bye weeks, there's not, I, if you look up the teams, they're not a lot of fantasy relevant teams over the next two weeks. I think there's two bye weeks for each team. Uh, and it, there's really not a ton of fantasy players available, but once you get into that, like, okay, so it's Carolina and Washington this week and then Chicago, Tampa Bay. So I guess so. It's Kelly Washington this week is what I meant. It's like you probably don't have a ton of shares of Panthers or Redskins on your team. Maybe at the receiver spot you do if you have DJ Moore and Chris Samuel. But you're not going to need those guys this week. But I don't know if I'm going to play them. Like there's there's not that many guys that are going to miss this week. And I'm thinking, do I really not have 24 running backs I'd rather play over James Conner right now? I probably do. Yeah, there's quite a few. And I think that's why, Jamie, your five is justified, right? Even though I would say collectively we might have been a little bit lower on him, we all still had him up there, right? Even- yeah, I mean, I think I had him either right around the turn. of like yeah. I probably wasn't going to take him in the top 10, but he was there at 12, you know, taking him and Nick Chubb or him and Cook or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we've been. Yeah, guys, look, I didn't have him in my top 10 for that reason going into the season. I Nobody did more mock drafts than me after my knee surgery. I'm sitting around bored as hell doing nothing but mock drafts. And I didn't take him in one no matter where I picked. I didn't take him in one mock draft the entire time, even if he fell to me late. 
because I was worried about this. The other thing is there's no Ben. People are playing them different than they're going to play them with, ben, with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. You're loading the box to stop the run, making Mason Rudolph beat you when you only think Juju is the only star that you have to stop, and he's getting double covered and still performing. Yeah. yeah. No. All of that from a football perspective says don't take him anyway. And now he doesn't look like the same guy. I think Benny Snell is going to be a sneaky play moving forward because I think he's going to start getting some more carries. I said that last week. And he got some. Like it's it's going to be a really interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, I mean it matters, right? The 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 Ben Roethlisberger obviously stuff matters. It changes the dynamic of this team. Uh, and, and going forward, it listen. Jake is every year. There's going to be one guy that each of us was right on individually that maybe everybody else was a little bit off on. And it seems like this one might be the one where Jake said, "I told you so." Right? Well, like, I feel like the Dalvin Cook's going to well, be. Well, that I told one you so. we we all liked him though. This one, a lot of people liked, and I Jake, feel like Jake, Jake bought his off. jersey and like was. I don't know. <laughs> It's like parading around the house in it. Oh, I was running. Well, at this point, that may, I've only won one man's jersey in my life other than my own. It was Dan Marino's in fifth grade. I might have to go Dalvin Cook when I this plays it. out the rest of the year. Because I, 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 I put my money where my mouth is. He's on both my teams. Listen, I might reach out to the Vikings and see if I can facilitate that. We might we might, we might, might need a Dalvin Cook jersey for, for Jake to, rock, to run around in. All right, the last one here is Sony Michelle. I've actually gotten a ton of tweets about Sony Michelle uh, because mostly because this Patriots offense has been – humming right mm-hmm. and and you've seen pretty much everyone eat and you're looking at Sony Michelle and you're going eh, it hasn't looked good so far so your panic level because Jamie I wish Jake I wish you could see Jamie he's doing the I don't know sign with his hand I, I've been telling you about this since the offseason like again this goes back to the same this is this is gonna be a theme of the, of the show this season stop thinking about what fantasy owners want and start stop thinking and listen that's the theme of the show Jamie you told them Listen to what we all we all told him. Yes, like Sony Michelle's a good player, but there are a lot of good backs that they have there. James White's the only one with a guaranteed defined role that you know what it is every week. Thank you, because they have used that unless role. he's having a baby. Yes, yeah, because they've used that role with James White and then Deion Lewis before them and Kevin Falk before them. We know what that role is, and that's been the same role in the Spellcheck offense for a decade. Mm-hmm. So they can mix and match guys. They like Rex Burkhead. They don't care that you don't like Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead is a decent enough runner and he knows that offense well. And you know what? He gets every single thing that's blocked for him. Yep. Even if he's not the most dynamic runner in the world, he gets what he He also catches it well and picks up the blitz really well. So he has a defined role as well. Yes. It's just not as big when James White's there. So look, and look at Sony Michelle. He's a good player, but, and look, if they, if Bill Belichick wants to do what they did in the postseason, they want to have a Sony Michelle game, they'll have a Sony Michelle game. But they don't need to do that when they're up a thousand points on all their teams. And so, you and you also are not going to know it's going to be a Sony Michelle game. No, by the way, you you might if they're playing like a really good team. But like even then, like I, I, this is why I had him as a flex play in the draft. Like I, I couldn't put him as an RB two. Like he wasn't somebody I felt comfortable with on a weekly basis. I want a share of that offense, and in a flex spot, I think that's fine because if you look at the other players that you're going there, he has just as much chance to score a touchdown as anybody else that you have there. But this notion that I heard in the preseason, oh, he's going to score 18 touchdowns this year. I mean, look what he did in the postseason. Like, they don't use their running backs that way. And also he has a history of massive knee issues that don't go away and are never going away. Like, we've heard burn on bones since draft day. Like, it's just a factor that you have to consider. He's not somebody that I think is startable on a weekly basis. There are going to be times where he's flex play worthy, and there's times where you're going to have better options. Like, this is it is what it is. Like, this is what we warned you about. So my panic. Yeah, the the number is pretty. What's the number, Jamie? What's the number? I mean, it's four, but like I'm not panicked. This is what I thought would happen. Yeah, exactly. It's I gotta say three, 
But it's I, as another guy, I wanted at all those mock drafts. I never took him one time, no matter where he was. Now, some of this is the, the Super Bowl winning Patriots have the easiest damn schedule to start a year I've ever seen in my life. I watched a lot of the Miami game because I wanted to see what they did with Antonio Brown and this high flying offense. It was not that pretty. I heard one analyst talk about it this week, how Tom Brady was forcing the ball with other guys open to Antonio Brown that week that they had him. They did not. They were they put up numbers like they were humming, but they really didn't. They haven't had to use Sonny Michelle yet. They haven't played a team where they want to control the clock, run it, play action, set up some other things. It's going to happen. You just don't know when. That's why I didn't want any part of it moving forward. You're going to be happy you have him if you drafted him at some point. But you haven't been yet, and you don't know when that point's ever going to be. So in a flex, I agree with Jamie, it's only a flex consideration that you ever want to have any piece of that. Yeah. All right, guys. We made it through all four guys. A lot of it, a lot of it, as I said, questions about – I'm going to throw out a fifth, Paige. Yeah. Okay. All right. Throw it in. Devontae Freeman. Well, if Edo Smith's going to miss time, I'm not worried. Because they just – once Smith went out of that game with a concussion, they were like, okay, we'll find – we'll just give Devontae Freeman all the touches. Um, but Yeah, but even, even with that, like the stat line is – it's not that good. No, like the, I mean, that's the, the, this week was the best case scenario for you. You got 16 attempts for 88 yards, four targets, three receptions for seven yards. So on a full point PPR, 12.5, unless he scores a touchdown, that's your best case scenario. You're talking about a guy that was going to second, third round. Yeah, I mean, he's a flex play period going forward. He's not an RB2 anymore. So this would be the last week. I ranked him as the lowest of RB2s this week. And I he might he'll probably end up getting there. But no, he's not somebody you feel confident with. Uh, that and one, this was a good matchup. Indy yeah. and bad pass-catching backs with Darius Leonard out was – this was as good as it's going to get. Yeah, I was wrong with him. I, I couldn't decide if I thought that, like, his potential could outweigh the dirt cutter killing every running back he's ever come in contact with, uh, and he it cannot. Coaching. Look, they're, they're Keanu Neal with the Achilles. Their defense is not very good. They throw it a ton. He's a really good pass-catching back. He picks up the blitz. With Edo Smith out, and that was killing some of this, he doesn't look like the same player to me. I think you're going to be okay for the next three or four weeks. But where where people took him, it, it's still got. He needs to be on that list. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's not going to return draft day value. But I think at this point, you no. know, and you're just going to kind of have to move on as he is one of you're in the mix for one of your flex spots. Or if you're in a two flex league, he's probably in every week in a two flex league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's what he is now. Like yeah. it's it sucks, but yeah, I don't think it's moving. I, I think it's we talked about it a little bit heading into this week, and he didn't uh, he didn't he looked okay, but he wasn't. This wasn't a week where you looked and said okay. Now I'm back on the train. Uh, all right, we're going game by game. We'll get into, uh, obviously, just a, a little bit of the fantasy perspective and then what we took away from this game. So first game here, Buffalo Bills. The 3-0 Buffalo Bills beat the Bengals uh, 21-17. The Bengals made a nice little comeback there at the end, but the Buffalo Bills got it done. Uh, Jake, your takeaways from this one. It's exactly what I said. I, I had the Bills 24-20. I thought the Bengals would cover. They did. Uh, they put up a good fight. Andy Dalton's playing pretty well. I mean, that, the Bills' defense is solid. The Bills' offense is going to be weird week to week. Frank Gore, we all hit that one on the head. Jamie said play him. Absolutely had a big week uh, with Singletary out. This is exactly basically what I thought I was going to see, and it, it, it turned out to be that. I mean, the Bengals aren't good enough to pull it off, but the Bills really dominated this game, and they should have put it away a long time before they did. The Bengals clawed back in. Yeah, I mean, I look at this and say it, it's a little bit of a reward for Joe Mixon owners. I mean, that wasn't a, a monster game, but it was a pretty good game for him and definitely a lot better than what he's done so far this season. And not a, and not a great matchup for him. No. Right? It, Buffalo it, Bills' defense is pretty damn good, so it, I was actually pretty happy for Joe Mixon in that one. Absolutely. Uh, Auden Tate's nothing. Don't even – don't even don't pay attention to Auden Tate or Dawson Knox. Yeah. I, I don't think they're anything fancy relevant. But 
Look, I mean, good on the Bills to, to claw back in this game because they look like they got a 14 nothing, and they look like they stopped playing for the next two and a half quarters, and then they had to kind of find themselves and get and get the win, but they did. thought Josh Allen would have a bigger game than he did. I was a little surprised that he – he didn't struggle per se, but he didn't look good either. No, like he kind of had this like weird game where he should have had a bigger performance. I agree. I, I thought Josh Allen – I played Josh Allen. I ended up – it ended up working out okay because he ended up being in that kind of like middle range, right, where it was good enough, uh, but wasn't where I projected him to be. I thought he'd have a much better week against a Cincinnati Bengals defense that isn't isn't great, right? And, and I thought that was, this was an ideal matchup for him. There's also a couple- I thought he was going to run it more. Yeah. I waited till the last eight minutes before, you know, 10 a.m. kick on the West Coast, and then when Philadelphia activated their third-string quarterback, I went, oh, Maybe Carson Wentz isn't as healthy as I thought, and that doesn't bode well for me when I'm already playing Tom Brady over him in one league. I'm going to go ahead and put Josh Allen in. I thought he would run more than he did. He had, a, I mean, it's almost 20 points, but I thought he would have a bigger day than that as well. This is a cautionary tale where, you know, I, I had him ranked 13th. I saw industry. A lot of people had him like 6th or 7th. Here's a cautionary tale when you take a non-elite quarterback, even in a great matchup. Their ceiling is not as high as people want it to be. Like the, the ceiling for a guy like an Aaron Rodgers or a Matt Ryan or I mean Holmes in his own league now, so I can't. But those type of guys in a, in a in a really good matchup have a much higher ceiling. So that's what you have to kind of take into consideration. Why guys, even in an awesome matchup like this, like Josh Allen, should not be in your top five. Yeah, because no. their ceiling is still going to be limited. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Very good point there. All right, this one is a surprise here, right? Uh, uh, although I saw this was Colin Coward's upset of the week, so I have to give him a little bit of credit. The the Lions, right, go into Philadelphia and get a victory. Now, it is worth noting, as we talked about in this podcast, Philadelphia has a ton of injuries, so much so that they canceled a practice in the middle of the week to make it a walkthrough. That all being said, Philadelphia had plenty of opportunities. Detroit gifted them an opportunity late in that fourth quarter to go down and take care of business, and they could not do it. Uh, Obviously, if you haven't seen the clip on Twitter, you should go look at it where a man is talking about saving children and catching them, unlike Nelson Aguilar catching footballs. Philadelphia stays undefeated in trolling their own players. It is the funniest. If you haven't seen it, you have to go find it. Uh, But Jake, from a football perspective, your takeaway here. Yeah, I thought the Eagles would get it done. I picked 27-20 to Detroit's credit. And Philly still had opportunities. They just kind of shot themselves in the foot. I mean, they were about to kick a field. Detroit was kicking a field goal that Philly blocked when they were up three in the fourth quarter with time to go win it and couldn't do it. But they have a ton of injuries on the offense. And Carson Wentz still had a really good day. Uh, their defense is what scares me moving forward. They don't have a ton of injuries over there. They're not rushing the passer like they have. They're supposed to be really stout against the run. They weren't great. Uh, and they and Detroit's offense, I mean, I'll, we all love Stafford, man. But I'm like, they got some decent weapons there. That offense is okay. But Philly's defense scares me moving forward. I mean, they, the injuries on offense, they're going to have to outscore people. It was uh, – I didn't see it coming. I'll put it that way. It was a, it was a weird game. To, to lose at home for the Eagles was a bad loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to eat some crow here. I thought the Lions would be like a three-win team this year. I don't think they're a playoff team or anything like that, but they definitely show that they're, yeah, they're, they're a six- or seven-win team, and they're better than I gave them credit for. Look, Kevin Johnson gets in the end zone, but he looked terrible in this game. Like, I mean, I'm glad he's getting the goal line carry. It took him like 17 tries, it felt like, to get in the end zone there. Uh, but he did, but not a real great game for him overall. Marvin Jones, to your credit, Paige, had an awesome game. You know, from the Eagles' side of things, yeah, I know. I mean, look, Aguilar, another bad, a terrible fumble in this game where, like, I don't know, like the wind caused the fumble. Like, yeah, he had the ball, bad. nobody touched him. He just put it on the ground. But he also caught two touchdowns. So, like, it was kind of like this weird game with him where he was getting open, just making sure he could actually make the catch. 
Nobody's talking about a brutal drop in the end zone by J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yes. It wasn't even a 50-50 ball because the defender didn't get there. Like, bolt hit J.J. right in the hands, and he let it drop in the end zone. So he needs some more credit there. Miles Sanders was their best deep threat in that game. He got open. He was open downfield a lot, which was intriguing to me. I know he caught those two balls for 73 yards. Uh, look, it is it is what it is at this point with the Eagles. Like you're, I mean, ag- as long as you know they're hurt at receiver, which they're going to be for this Thursday night turnaround, Aguilar is worth playing in the slot. So Ertz has been okay this year. He hasn't been phenomenal. They're not targeting him as much. Look, I can't argue Miles Sanders deserves more carries right now. He's looked fine, but that's it. Just yeah. fine. This team has looked uh, hasn't looked as good as everyone pretty much projected them to be. Uh, this could be a, a really tough start, right? Because they go a quick turnaround. They play Green Bay on Thursday night football. They're going to have to in Green Bay. Yeah, in Green Bay, not a great start for this team, right? Especially when you scoreboard watch and you look over at da- the Dallas Cowboys in the division who are taking care of business. I know it's been a lighter schedule for them, but still, it's tough to combat that when they're, you have. They're a better team anyway. Yeah, they're just a better. Yes, they are. They, they are. They are. They are. I mean, Philly could turn this around quick when Goddard, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey are all healthy. But they got to get healthy. Yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's a fast turnaround for this. Speaking of Goddard, too, he had a, he had a drop, a brutal drop in the end zone as well. Yeah. Also, a play that was very weird where he got wide open. He just ran across the field, and Carson Wentz, for whatever reason, just decided not to look his way anymore and just force it into Darren Sproles for a three yard catch on the sideline. It was very strange. Yeah, well, this whole game was very strange for the Eagles. Like I, I don't know I, what their deal is. I will say Wentz is a freaking stud, though. Yeah, he is. But he when he's healthy, he is he's different. And he's better than Goff. Good to go back to that comparison of that draft. He is elite player when he's healthy. One hundred percent. Plus, if I put if I put Carson Wentz with that coaching staff with that offense in LA, you'd be looking at a much different LA Rams team who's been a little lethargic to start the season. I know they got a victory, but we'll get into that game. All right, the the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. Uh, this one was ugly for ninety nine point nine percent of the game. Uh, the Jets score late touchdowns here. Yeah, they uh, did. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah, yeah, they did. As Jamie, Jamie sounds like he had a little uh, little wagering going on in this one. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying Jared Stidham cost me a hundred dollars with a pick six, but Jared Stidham cost me a hundred dollars with his pick six. <laughs> <laughs> what was the final here, guys? What was the final here? The final here was thirty to fourteen. New England gets it done, but does not cover the spread. Uh, Jake, your takeaways from this one, even though I think it's really hard to have takeaways when you're playing this New York Jets team that has, you know, nothing going for it at this point. Yeah, I mean, minus the fact that you're blowing them out so bad that your backup quarterback throws a pick six. I, I picked 34-10. It was 30-14, to but that means they didn't cover. So it was uh, – but they blew them out. They looked good. The Jets are up against it right now. They got to get Sam Darnold back and have some semblance of quarterback play. They got to get C.J. Mosley back on that defense. Uh, look, the freaking Patriots look good, and their damn defense is solid as can be. This is exactly what we thought it was going to be. They just didn't cover because of the BS at the end. Yeah, I mean, the Jets scored zero offensive points. Yeah. So, uh, look, so the, the takeaway, there's really no real takeaways for the Patriots. We've talked about them before, other than I think Philip Dorsett's interesting because people kind of forgot about him when they brought – when Gordon came and then Gordon came back and AB came in, and he's worth being on your bench somewhere. Dude, he looks good. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a fast guy that didn't have good hands who's now catching everything. Yeah. Uh, my panic level, I'm going to add a six player to our panic meter. It's Le'Veon Bell, and I think I'm at a four on him. This offense is somehow worse than I imagined. Now, again, injuries. I get it. You're, you're playing Luke Falk, and, but, and it's, it'll be different when Darnold's back in. But this Adam Gase offense is as bad and maybe worse than I thought it was. Like this third and eight throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage bad. 
Like I did it like multiple times that game. This is this is so this wasn't a personnel issue in Miami. This was an Adam Gase. This is what he thinks you should run on offense now. Yeah. Apparently, um, so unless Peyton Manning from five years ago is going to come out of retirement and start playing quarterback for this team, I'm worried about every single fantasy player on this team. And if you spend a top five pick or a top ten pick on Le'Veon Bell. He's probably more of a flex play going forward than anything else, and that's brutal. Like, to be fair, you did bring that up heading into the season about Adam, with him. about Adam Gase. We just we know this about the coaching staff, and it doesn't matter how talented you are, which Le'Veon Bell is very talented. Uh, you, you're in a bad offense, and nobody could have foreseen, obviously, that Sam Darnold was going to get mono, and they were going to end up with their third-string quarterback. But this isn't good, and it's not going to get much better, no, at least for a while. There's some potential in the second half of the year when Darnold comes back, when Chris Herndon comes back from the suspension, that maybe, okay, they can get some things going, at least put up offensive numbers that look yeah. decent. But right now, I mean, if I don't want any share of anybody on the Jets. Yeah, luckily for the Jets, Danny Dimes has taken a little bit of that heat away because there's so much uh, hype train, obviously, in New York for what's going on over there. All right, the Minnesota... Speaking of New York, Paige, we got a little breaking news that just came out. Okay. Ooh. Let's, let's Saquon's MRI revealed a high ankle sprain, four to eight weeks, but they're leaning towards the eight. A bye week of week 11 means he could miss that to come back for the last six weeks. Right, so we're talking November at that point. Yeah. So Yes, we're talking that's probably worst case scenario for fantasy owners. Yeah. They're thinking four to eight, but if you go back to A.J. Green, who was hurt the first day of training camp, is still not back. He had a procedure on his. It's probably worse, but. It, that's not good. Yeah, no, definitely not good, and something will continue tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think you you probably have to. I mean, if you're a Saquon owner now with that news, like you're talking about having to get to the fantasy playoffs almost until he gets back. This is probably what you saved your fat budget for. Yeah, you got to go get you got to go make something happen uh, here because you're going to be without him for a while. All right, Minnesota Vikings thirty four, Oakland Raiders fourteen. Uh, we talked about this because we talked about Dalvin Cook a little bit and how good he looked, and obviously the Stephon Diggs uh, has been a no-show for the most part throughout this first couple of weeks. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts other than what we've talked about on on this one? That Darren Waller had the quietest 13-catch, 134-yard performance in the history of football. Yeah. That nobody cares and nobody talked about it. Um, look, the, the middle of the field was open. We knew it was going to be, especially with McKenzie Alexander not in, not in this game. But, I mean, the Raiders were never – in this game at any point. Tyrell Williams saved his day with that, like, here you go, touchdown late in the game. He's someone to watch because if you've been box score watching versus actually watching, you think Tyrell Williams is having a great season. The last two weeks, his his ass has been saved by, like, late touchdowns or a very early touchdown and then not being involved in the game. A little concerning for me. Like, I'm a Tyrell Williams owner. I started him this week. Got me to double-digit points because of that end zone catch, but – uh, that's a tenuous one for me. Like I might not play him this week. So something to kind of keep an eye on if you've just been scoreboard watching with him. Uh, JJ Nelson, a nice play in the end zone, but look, Darren Waller's an every week starter now with the tight end position. Uh, look, you don't even need to get in the end zone. You're getting 13 catches. How many targets did he have in this game? Four. Yes. So cut 13 of his 14 targets. Yeah. Good week for him. I thought he was going to have a big week. I mean, that was exciting to see. I think that kid is special, man. He really is. Other than that, like that's the that's the Raiders. Like yeah. Jacobs is banged up. I'm gonna write this one. Banged up against a really good defense. I'm writing this really good defense. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just writing this off. Yeah, he was on the he was on the panic meter, and I uh, opted to not panic and put. No, 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 not as a rookie. That's the starter, yeah. and I think he's gonna get better as the season goes. No. Team was down. Look, I picked I picked thirty to twenty here. The Vikings, I'm still just as high on as I was going into the season. I think they're the best team in that division, and they are they look good. Yeah. I just need that. Their quarterback's got to beat a winning team at some point. Yeah. He does. He does. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Keep him back. But we'll see. We'll see. Continuing on with with that team, but obviously, is Dalvin. Hey, I, I will throw this out from this game too. So in our TDN fantasy league, I handcuffed Dalvin Cook with Alexander Madison because I watched one preseason game and went, 
wait a minute, that's the same dude with a different freaking jersey number. Yeah. Dred's coming out the back. He looked good. And I went, if Calvin, if Dalvin Cook goes down, they still want to play the exact same way. And this dude's going to pick up that load. Had a big week this week because Dalvin Cook was over 100. They were blowing him out. And he, he finally got to see it a little bit. And it was funny because I'm sitting there going, oh, DJ Chark, probable, questionable. Do I play him on Thursday night? Let's leave it in because I really want to leave Madison on my bench just in case Cook gets hurt. I'm not saying I'm right there. I'm just saying I'm lucky. But he looked really good in that one little preseason action that I caught. He looks like the same type of player. Plus, plus it was important, obviously, with that injury history with Dalvin Cook. It was a yeah. smart decision, obviously. For And listen, he looks... But it's a small bench in that league, right? So I'm still kind of risky because I took Golden Tate, hoping I'd get him back you know, off of suspension. So it was... Uh, but yeah, he looks good. I mean, that's, that's something. I'm just saying that for now, for people to look at, he's probably available everywhere. Yeah. So if you own Dalvin Cook and you have a deeper bench, you might want to look at doing that because... They're not going to change the way they play. No, they will not change the yeah, way they I mean, play. He's not somebody I mean. Or they don't want to. No. He looks like he, like he, in other words, they don't want to, and he looks like a guy capable of filling in enough that they don't have to. Yeah, I mean, look, if Cook gets hurt, Madison's an RB1. Like, there's just no doubt yeah. in my mind. All right. Kansas City Chiefs get it done 33 to 28. Uh, one thing I want to mention at the top here is that I saw a lot of, um, a lot of like NFL, like big time NFL analysts, right? reacting because I know Lamar's looked great in the first couple of weeks. He did not look great in this game. He threw two of the worst footballs I have ever for seen completions. for completions that ended up leading to touchdowns for this team that were, I mean, one was the worst football I've seen thrown. I mean, legitimately. They were, it was, both, they were both what Kirk Cousins did at the end of the game that got picked. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was no, they had no business getting, getting those to be completions, but they end up making this one close. Uh, if you watch this game, which I watched the entirety of this game, it was not really close, and it was never really – the first drive for Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens looked good. They went for two, missed out on it. It was 6 nothing, and then it was the Kansas City Chiefs show. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this one? I will say, I mean, they were down so much, Lamar Jackson almost had to try those plays because they had to get back in. Now, they were bad. It was a wet football. It rained bad in Kansas City. Baltimore's defense is exactly what I told you. They're not the same. Their secondary's banged up. Marlon Humphrey, by far their best secondary player, missed some action in this game. They came back in, but they're banged up on that defense. They don't rush the passer the way that they used to, even though they hit Mahomes some. Enough of them. Dude, this play by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid together with a bunch of, like, dudes they picked up on the street, it feels like, still put up 33. Yeah. In the rain. Like, they're freaking special. This kid... Is abs and I was I was the first one driving that train last year in the preseason. This kid is freaking amazing, and the the play that I mean, they get Tyree Kill back, Damian Williams. Like it's just dude, they're good. They're really really good. And that defense, they don't have to be great, <laughs> but I mean they're just they're just okay, they're just okay, but they're okay enough. Them under thirty and they win. Like, and, and that's look. It doesn't complimentary football doesn't mean you have to play as good on the defense as you do on the offense. When your offense is that damn good, get a turnover here and there, and just hold them in the red zone occasionally to a field goal, and you're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm of the mind that Andy Reid's the second best coach of this generation, yeah. uh, right behind Bill Belichick, and just the way they've accomplished. I know he doesn't have the the Super Bowls to to do that, and that's why there's a, still a gap there. But what he hey, he hasn't had Tom Brady until now. Yeah. But what he's done in his coaching tree, I mean, I mean, it's it's yeah. magnificent. Um, interesting play. I picked up Daryl Williams like five minutes before kickoff because yeah, you did. Because I, uh, <laughs> I was waiting to see. Because I'm I'm a Daryl Williams guy. Just because he's somebody that I had last year. I had I had that combination of, of Damian and Daryl, and 
Charkandrick and all that stuff trying to figure out the Casey backfield last year. He can play and he can catch the ball. If Damian Williams is out again, LeSean McCoy looked good but then re-injured that ankle. And, that, again, that scares me when these guys start re-injuring the same thing. And you're older. Like, he's very much should be in your lineup next week. All right, moving on. The Indianapolis Colts take care of business. They get a victory 27-24 to against the Atlanta Falcons. Jake, your takeaways in this one. I literally wrote down Colts 27-24. And then as we talked about it, talked myself out of it with the defensive injuries and picked the Falcons 24-23. So it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. We just talked, you know, as we all talked about it, I talked myself out of it and changed it while we were doing the show. Indy's good, man. Jacoby Brissett threw for over 300. T.Y. was on injury list all week, came in, had a, a, a solid day, 20 points, had gotten the end zone again. Uh, they just – they look good. The Falcons' defense is terrible. They don't run the ball at all. Uh, they got real issues. Keanu Neal's now got Achilles. He's out for the year again. Uh, Indy is really solid, man. Like, that was a really impressive win. I thought the Falcons, after beating Philly, high-flying, whatever, would get it going, and they didn't. They couldn't get it done. Yeah, good to see Marlon. Matt Ryan with six picks. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good to see uh, Marlon Mack have a big game coming off again, the injury list for as well. Uh, again, T.W. Hill put up a big game. It was on the first half. He walked off after that touchdown the first half and never came back on the field. So, a big yeah. game there. You know, keep an eye on him throughout the week because if he doesn't play, then you got to look at the other options there, the Paris Campbells, the Zach Pascals of the world. Uh, otherwise, there's not a ton of other advice here. Calvin Ridley was invisible, but, like, that doesn't happen very often. I'm not worried about it here. Look, Matt Ryan's been a – Weird season for him. Just a weird season. He's throwing a ton of picks, but he's also putting up a ton of numbers. So he's been good enough for fantasy purposes. Yeah, he's been good in fantasy, uh, right, because he's putting up a ton of numbers. But it is it is frustrating. I, I think it's going to continue. Yeah, I think it's going to continue as well. Um, he kind of has this – this is kind of what you get from Matt Ryan. Uh, here. Well, just the way they're built now, right? The defense is not very good. They know Dirk Carter doesn't want to run the ball. They're not running it very successfully anyway because they have, you know, iffy O-line play. So Matty Ice is good. At, he's going to sling it. I, 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 if I owned him, I'd feel fine yeah, about it. I don't, I don't see it changing going forward. All right, the Green Bay Packers take care of business at home, 27-16. to 16. Uh, The best play that I saw all weekend, Philip Lindsay on fourth and one, just scooting his way in, and then Dalton Reisner grabbing him throwing and him. throwing him into the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, assist to Dalton Reisner on that one for that touchdown. Uh, Jake, your takeaways from the Green Bay victory. I took the Packers 24-16. It was close. Uh, their offense is still not high-flying and going. Uh, Williams and Jones, they told you it was going to be 50-50. And I told you before the season, be careful on Aaron Jones because Williams picks up the blitz and plays on third down. He's playing more than that now. Packers defense, still a takeaway. They've been consistent for three weeks. This Broncos offense is struggling. They're struggling to run the ball. It's putting too much pressure on Flacco and a young receiving core. Manuel Sanders, two for ten. Uh, Broncos not very good. We all were higher on them than they've shown. They haven't shown a lot. Packers have been solid. It's it's a sneaky three and zero. I'm not that high on them yet, but they got it done again. Yeah, I mean, look, if you've been a Philip Lindsay owner, you've been begging. For, this is probably the week you benched him, but I mean, you were begging for a big performance, and he kind of gave it to you. You're thanking your lucky stars, Aaron Jones, on the end zone twice because yeah. he had a, just a dreadful game outside of those couple carries there. We, we told you bounce back performance from Marquez Valdez-Scantling this week. He didn't have to play a, a quarter that could match his speed. He had a pretty big game. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, look, this Jamal Williams-Aaron Jones split's not going away. No, like, it's going to continue. It's going to go all season as long as both of them are healthy, period, end of story. Yeah, no, we told you. The other thing I wanted to mention because I, I got, we got two questions, uh, quite a few questions, and then I tweeted right before the game and got questions about both Rodgers and Mahomes because it was raining. 
don't ever trick yourself. If you bench Mahomes at any point this season, stop playing fantasy football. I I just, but it's raining and I should maybe play to, I'm like, I don't care who else you have on your team. I don't care if he has to throw left-handed for four quarters. I'm playing Patrick Mahomes. And it's just, I got so many of those and I cannot wait to revisit them on Twitter today to say, please screenshot me and tell me that you actually played Mahomes to prove it to me. uh, So if you've been in any league I've ever been in, you probably spent a second round pick on Patrick Mahomes. Yes. When you make that decision, that player never leaves your lineup. You have you to. You never look at it again except for the bye week. That's the only time you ever look at it. And even then you consider playing him on the bye week. Because you spent a second round. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Cowboys 31, Miami Dolphins 6. My takeaway from this game is trade Josh Rosen so he can go try to play because he wants to play, he wants to compete, and the rest of his team does not. They drop footballs. They drop touchdown passes. He, he wanted to go for it on fourth down. I love the competitiveness. Well, oh, yeah. By the way. You're the freaking Dolphins. You're the worst team of football. You're going to get embarrassed. Yeah. What are you going to kick a field goal there? That's what I said. You're going like, to win this? You're going to play the ball control game? I was what like, are you doing? I was like, come on. Just let the let the kid go, man. Like he 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 wants to try and win. He wants to have he wants to have some semblance of an opportunity to have a career in this league and it's clear you guys are not trying to win football games. Uh not much to take away because it's impossible for me to look at a, an opposing team against Miami and say anything other than yeah, everybody should play. Jake, your thoughts? My thoughts are I picked the score exactly, 31-6. to six. Cowboys, they took them lightly. They, they did not have the fire they needed. They turned it on to their credit. And one thing I've loved about the Cowboys is how good they've been. Really good teams can step on the pedal when they need to. Not everybody has that ability, and they did. Um, Cowboys are really good, man. Yeah. Really, really, like, really good. They're the best team in the NFC right now. Complimentary football all the way around. Dak is playing at an awesome level. Uh, and look, I was really critical of Rosen because I said he was Jay Cutler. And I still believe that. But the biggest knock was his body language, that he's the smartest guy in every room he's ever been in. And locker rooms weren't going to like him. He need, The stuff that he's been through is giving him the chip on the shoulder that he needs, I think, to be the elite because he's got all the talent in the world. Yeah. Like when I say he's Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler can sling it with the best of them of all time. He needs this chip on his shoulder. Whoever gets him next, I think is going to be getting a really solid player that knocked down the ego enough that he just wants to play football and then he can finally be accepted by a locker room because he's been tough as hell. Yeah. It's a bad situation. And the kid looked good. Yeah. He can flat sling it. Now, whoever gets him next is going to get him for a third or fourth round pick. And they're going to be really happy about it. Yeah, it's going to be New England, right? And it's like, I've already, it's a foregone conclusion in my mind that they're just going to go I thought so too for a while, but they like Stidham. I don't know that they're going to want to give up capital to, to get him when Brady looks like he's going to play for another five years. Yeah, Jamie, your thoughts. Yeah, someone said uh, that Tom Brady's going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game the same day Patrick Mahomes is inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, look, my thought was is that uh, damn Tony Pollard looks good, which, again, that's not actionable advice for you, but just know when they're blowing out teams that they that Pollard is actually pretty darn good. So I was hoping for a bigger game from another receiver that wasn't Amari Cooper. I was hoping maybe Devin Smith or Randall Cobb. Now, Cobb had a 79-yard touchdown called back, or else it's a whole different story, but – uh, for the Dolphins, literally nobody's relevant, but Preston Williams. Uh, Preston Williams has been their best receiver so far. Not somebody you're probably going to play ever, but if you're in like a like a DFS or you just need a deep play or you're in a super deep league or something, he's actually been relevant with both quarterbacks all season. So he's the – if you want a Miami Dolphins player, you don't. Yes. But if you do, that's the one. 
All right. Uh, next game we're going to talk about here. We won't spend much time on it because we really spent the majority of the top of this podcast talking about it. Giants win 32-31. We talked about Daniel Jones. We talked about the Saquon injury. Not much to get into other than we told you not to freak out about Mike Evans. We told you not to freak out. And Jameis to Mike Evans looked phenomenal. Jameis looked really good in this game. Jameis did look really good in this game. So any other thoughts? Because we did discuss this one at length. Jake? Yeah, Ronald Jones is a freak. When he gets enough touches, he's an absolute freak. He had 80 80 yards uh, rushing. He had one catch for 41 yards on a screen pass. He's just different. But Peyton Barber's still really, really solid. And it's kind of like Green Bay. Peyton Barber's going to have his touches. They're going to go with the hot hand. And in this game, Ronald Jones was putting it away at the end. It's a game Tampa should have won hands down. O.J. Howard got off the schneid, had had two drops, but had a a couple really big catches. Could have had a really big day for him. Um, Jameis looked better. This Tampa offense is going to continue to get better throughout the year. So if you own shares of those guys, you're going to be fine. The Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber thing is going to remind you a lot of Green Bay moving forward. But, man, we, we talked about it. Daniel Jones was spectacular. Give that kid a ton of credit. All right, moving on to the Carolina Panthers taking care of business 38-20 to 20 against the Arizona Cardinals. My takeaway here is if you watch this game, Kyler Murray did not look good. We talked about this off the podcast. Um, it, I, I know the stats will show you one thing. Your eyeballs would tell you another thing. Uh, this game was uh, ugly for the most part. Kyle Allen balled out. Got to give him a shout-out. He's home in front of the, his home crowd. Um, but, Jake, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, I want I, I wanted to take Carolina. I talked myself into picking the Cardinals, but I did it by one because I didn't think they'd cover that if they did. Kyler did not look good. He's not as fast. He's not like this whole Michael Vick comparison before the season. He's like, like Lamar Jackson can run like Michael Vick, the only dude I've ever seen close. Kyler Murray doesn't get the edge, and if you're going to look at the box score and go, he ran for seventy yards. They blew the coverage so bad a couple times. He had two twenty yard runs, but he can't get out of the pocket. He's really quick, but he's not that fast. He can throw it. And they're going to move up and down the field on a lot of people. They're going to put up a lot of numbers, but their red zone offense is going to be stagnant. They got lucky on the first one. The Larry Fitzgerald touchdown was a third and one. Then they had a throwback to David Johnson, which should have been blown up for zero yards, and David ran really hard and got a touchdown. Or they don't get those two in the end zone. This defense is awful. I go back to they're going to be a must-watch 4-12 and to see what this kid does. He's exciting, but he's got a long way to go. And I don't like his body language either. No, sure. Get all. He, his ego needs to get knocked down and go be like, yeah, you're the first pick and you won the Heisman and you got a chip on your shoulder because you're little and you've been like that your whole life. I don't like his body language at all. Like, even when he's talking to Larry Fitzgerald, you don't have that body language talking to the goat. Uh, I'm I'm in agreement. I saw. I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, just put a little respect on Larry's name, Kyler. Like, brother, you haven't been in the league very long. I don't care how good your career is. You will never be Larry Fitzgerald in the Valley. No. Ever. I can assure you of that. Nobody will. Especially the way your ego is right now, because Larry's never had one. That facts. <laughs> so I, I want to – I was wrong about something here. Remember, like, we were talking about Kyler Murray, and everyone had him ranked in the top ten. I'm like, no, no, there's like I don't have him there. But I said, yeah, maybe he throws 40 times and two touchdowns, he'll get there. I'm sorry, I was wrong. He threw 40 times for two touchdowns, and he still didn't get there. He was QB 16. Stop starting Kyler Murray. Stop it. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? You're not starting Kyler Murray over Aaron Rodgers. And that was with 70 rushing yes. yards. Like, That's, stop it. And, it. and against a banged-up team at home, this is a best-case scenario, right, for them. This isn't a, The Carolina is not a great football team. This was a, a good matchup for Kyler Murray, and you still didn't see him get it there. I, I'm just telling you, we live in Phoenix, okay? We know. We watch this team. 
I know the other national pundits all want Kyler to be this spectacular version of himself. He's not that yet. I'm not saying he won't get there. He's look. He's looked damn good in flashes, but he's a rookie. Yes. And I told you Carolina's defense is, is still solid. They're getting older, but they're still really solid. It was a bad look. Bottom line is a bad loss for the Cardinals. This is one that they had. They could have got, and they should have got because their schedule gets worse. And they didn't get it. No, they didn't. But a couple quick notes on this. Look, the Fitzgerald catches another touchdown. He, I mean, they are locking in on him in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, they are designing. I, almost half the red zone plays look like they're designed to go to Larry. Whether they get that, whether he's open or not, they're going there. So that's why he's a weekly play. And the air raid has turned Christian Kirk into a PPR monster. 10, 59 yeah. yards. <laughs> just, just PPR heaven there. Uh, for Carolina's side, uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey is a monster. Uh, you should have known that already. Uh, and again, I, look, it started every tight end that ever has existed against the Cardinals. Thank and you literally very, everyone ever. Thank you very much. Look, we, we also, I also gave you the stat last week that Cam Newton was leading the NFL in uncatchable throws and that quarterback play, if they're going to play a traditional offense, is going to be better. And it was tremendously better to the point where DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel now look like legit receivers in the NFL. Yeah, because Cam looked horrible. And we told you that. So hopefully you... Oh, one of the greatest things I love, by the way, in the NFL is when stuff like this happens, I saw like with a, my first NFL uh, notification on my phone this morning was Cam Newton ruled out for next week. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. No. We don't care how the treatment goes. We don't care what happens this week. We're going with Kyle. Yeah. Don't even ask us questions. Don't, e- don't even ask us. All right, 49ers get a victory, 24-20. Uh, a very ugly game. Jimmy <sighs> G did not play good. This game was all over the place, hard to take away. And we talked about James Conner already. Uh, so, guys, anything other than that taken away from this game? The Niners got it done, but it was ugly. Jimmy G didn't look that good. Uh, Kittle has been non-existent this year. Um, I picked 28-20. I thought they'd cover it. I thought seven was high, but Steelers hung in there. And I give you know give the 49ers credit for making enough plays to win the game, but they didn't look that good either. No, that like Jimmy G had some really nice throws and some really brutal throws. Like, it, was a, it was all over the place for him in this game. He doesn't look like a $100 million quarterback. He certainly does not, and I've said that for so quite some time now. Uh, they used all three running backs. Uh, I, so I picked up Jeff Wilson in one of my leagues. I, I feel like we're getting to, our, to like last year of his career, Jerome Bettis or like Brandon Jacobs, even though he's a completely different type of runner, in the sense that he's going to have like 17 yards and two rushing touchdowns every game. Yeah. But that's just what's, what it's going to be. Because they were literally putting him in in the red zone, period. Yeah, are, that's what he's going to be The drive for. doesn't matter. Hurry up no. doesn't matter. They are taking their backs out and putting Jeff Wilson in when they get inside the inside the 20-yard line. And he's getting it done. Yeah. No, he is getting Yeah, I, I had Brita in a flex and put up 190-plus points in a Yahoo traditional PPR league. And it's the last time I'm going to do that because that scared me. I watched that like on the red zone here and there. And every time I looked up, Brita wasn't in the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of it looked good at times. had a, just a, a brutal fumble. Um Good on Kelsey, uh, Kittle, excuse me. There was a, a viral video going around of like everybody kind of being sullen after the, the fumble. And then Kittle looks up and sees Mostert's kind of got his head in his hands and runs over to him and kind of pats him on the back and walks into the sideline. So yeah, good, good, good on Kittle for that. Yeah, good teammate. That's for sure. All right. The New Orleans Saints go into Seattle and get a victory 33 to 27. This game, we talked about another uh, ugly, strange game to watch. This one was that. Uh, Russell Wilson had a lot of garbage time points, but it were as as somebody who owns him, he had put up forty one points for a quarterback this week. He's the number one fantasy quarterback. It was a uh, it was an ideal situation uh, for them having to throw the football a lot after being down in this game. Jake, your takeaways from this one? Metcalf looks like a pro. Tyler Lockett's going to get enough deep shots and enough targets that he's he's going to be played. Russell Wilson's good. Disley, Jamie hit that nail on the head last year with him when he's healthy. 
and tight ends in this offense are going to be good. Uh, terrible loss for the Seahawks, really good win for the Saints. Return a punt for a touchdown, defensive score. If you play your backup quarterback, and he's the highest paid backup quarterback in the NFL, you hope to go 500. They're hoping to go higher than that, and they stole one in, in the first week that their backup quarterback is playing. Yeah, to me, I think Tyler Lockett's a low-end wide receiver one going forward. I mean, that's back-to-back weeks with double-digit targets, and that's always been the thing. Is will he get enough targets to be successful? And he's showing and he's, it. he's his, and he's being successful with it. I don't think it's physically possible for the first person to ever tackle Alvin Kamara because I've never seen it happen. <laughs> I never see the first person that lays hands on Alvin Kamara and get him. It's 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 remarkable. He is a just a phenomenal talent all over the board. Had an awesome game. Was their best receiver. Was their best runner. Was just their best player. Top to bottom. We told you Michael Thomas would get his. No, it wasn't like a 10-catch game, but... That's probably the worst week he's going to have, and he was still really yeah, good. Yeah, and then nobody else is relevant in that offense. Literally yep. nobody else. Stop yep. playing anybody else. Yep, and that's what we told you. All right, this one was a surprise for me, and maybe it's because I need to reevaluate uh, the Chargers. Chargers uh, going to charge her. Yep. Uh, the Texans get a victory 27-20 on the road against the Chargers. Uh, we all like the Chargers a lot going into the season. They do have a ton of injuries. Obviously, Melvin Gordon is not playing for this team, but disappointing for me with this team. I, I feel like they've had a lot of expectations in the last few years, and I just I, I see that Super Bowl window closing on them, and I, and I don't know. I think Tom Brady might end up outplaying Phillip Rivers, potentially. It's, I, it's, it's a damn shame Rivers is probably ended his career without yeah, a ring. it like, is a really shame. It's really a damn shame. I, I just wish they would have put together enough to get it done for him, uh, and I don't, I don't see it. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this one? Texans are better than I thought, and the Chargers are garbage. Yeah. This, this is two bad losses in a row for them in games they should have won. I think Melvin Gordon now has a little more leverage. Uh, he said he's going to come back and play for them. If he waits till week eight, that'll be interesting. I, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. There. I think he might come back faster than that because I think they might hit the panic button a little bit on that one. Um, but yeah, Mike Williams got some targets. Keenan Allen's awesome. Uh, they weren't great this week, but they, they still are really, really good players. I'm talking football, not fantasy. They should have been better than they were. The Texans are better than I thought, man. Like Deshaun Watson just makes freaking plays. The kid's fun he to really watch. He really is. And there were three touchdowns this week that helped nobody. Two of, two of them to Atkins, one of them to Fells. Uh, the, but uh, look, DeAndre Hopkins had a much better football game than fantasy game. I know he finished six for 67, but look, was a monster in the second half of that game. Uh, was really, really strong. And the Texans couldn't run the ball, but I feel like that, maybe not to this poor of an extent, but. I think this is more of what the Texans' run game looks like. Like, Carlos Hyde's not a 100-yard or 90-yard back a week. Like, they're going to struggle to run the ball. For the Chargers, at least – I mean, Eckler got you in barely into double digits because of the seven catches uh, in half PPR leagues. Keenan Allen is a monster. He's yeah. a wide, true wide receiver one. You're playing him every week. But just my football takeaway is that I'm just – it looks like it's going to be another wasted year for the Chargers where they might win nine or – They'll finish really strong in the second half when they get healthy, but it's going to continue to be this well, for a this while. Well, this is a very good chance that this is the their wild card game, except they're going to be playing it in Houston. Yeah, and, and that's the tough part, right? Because we talked about this in this division, and, and the Chiefs don't look like they're going to take a step back at all, potentially. It's not the regular season. That, yeah, not, and that's, maybe they run into Belichick again, but that's it, right? Yeah, like, I mean, that's this division, they are looking like they're not going to be able to keep up, and that's two bad losses, one on the road that should have been won, and then – a home game that you lose. And I, like Jake said, if I'm the Chargers, I'm finding a way to make Melvin Gordon come back, right? I'm I'm making that phone call. I know. Eckler's been good. He's not the issue, well, but I'm still doing it just to bolster the bring you back in the locker room to get a yeah, boost. to get a boost because these are two bad losses. And it, and it's, you know, at this point, you kind of got to hit the panic button at one and two when you're looking up at three and oh in the division. All right. The Rams get a victory on the road, 20 to 13. 
the big takeaway here, right, is we told you at the beginning of the season, right, we looked at the schedule and we said, man, if the Browns end up 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh it's going to get ugly for this team. And the, 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 the shining bright, is it's already happening, right? Baker's getting criticism, as is deserved, right? He talked – I, yes. I am let me let me say this right now. I love Baker Mayfield. I have loved I love the chip on the shoulder. I love the talk and smack. I love all that. If you back it up, right? Let me be very clear because it's not it is not okay to talk all that shit coming into the season. Oh, by the way, I don't care if your comments were taken out of context about Daniel Jones. You look like an ass. You said it. You, you, you said it. You said it in a media. And you like, look like you, and you look like an ass. And if Daniel Jones continues to ball out and you continue to have a bad season, you're gonna look really stupid. And by the way, every time they go to a commercial break after you look like crap when they did, just three of the four commercials That's are right. New. And you don't think the people that work in work uh, blue-collar jobs in Cleveland aren't paying attention to that, right? And that's – I'm not saying this is a – it's all over for Cleveland, but it's not good. To be a lot harder than – well, I mean, aside from this podcast, we've been talking about it for months now. But it's going to be a lot harder for the Browns than anybody else thought, and at least that a, they thought. And they got a tough couple of weeks. If you look at their next couple of matchups, they got a tough couple of weeks coming up. And it's not gelling, right? And Freddie Kitchens is getting a lot of heat for his play calling. And I'm, I hate to tell you. Fourth and nine and ran a draw. Yeah, hate to tell you we told you, but we told you. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on, on this one? The, Brown, the Browns have issues. I said it going into this game. I thought the Rams would cover. They did. Uh, they didn't look great. The Rams do not look great. They don't look like the same high-flying offense. Goff is good enough. But they're really solid. They're playing really complimentary football. That defense is healthy. Aaron Donald's starting to go off. He only had one sack. Clay Matthews drinking from the fountain of youth and going to the TV 12 center to get ready for games. He still looks really, really good. Uh, the Browns offensive line sucks. And Baker now knows they suck, and he's leaving the pocket too early and not even letting plays develop because he's so used to making plays on the run, and he has so much confidence to do that, he's not letting the pocket stay there. And it happened three or four times last, and he always goes to the right. People are going to see this on film, and it's going to continue to be a problem. They lost one of their weapons in Njoku. Jarvis Landry can't run. You go, you go back to he was leading the NFL in catches, but 80% of them within four yards of the line of scrimmage for his first three years. He can't get open. It's going to be a, That's going to continue to be an issue. You're going to double OBJ because you now know that. Chubb's going to be okay. They need to go back to trying to run the ball, but this offensive line's not very good. Their defense is really good, but they're out there a lot. They got a big, they got big problems. I don't think they make the playoffs. Well, should we talk, I mean, look, that whole division is, is iffy now. I mean, obviously the Steelers – probably bottoming out to some level, uh, has completely... It ain't iffy. The Ravens look good, and that defense is going to get healthier. Yeah. Now, they're going to come back to earth on offense, but I still wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. There's one game difference there. For the Rams, again, continue to be the president of the Cooper Cup fan club. Start him every Yeah, game. buddy. He's, he's the guy. Like, the, this entire Rams team is different when Cooper Cup plays. Yes. Period, end of story. They win the Super Bowl if Cooper Cup was on the field, in my opinion. I agree. Um, but... Now, I will say to the Browns, too, before I jump off, sorry, Jamie, to cut you off. They, they were, like, out without, like, five DBs last yeah. night. Yeah, their entire secondary. Yeah. Like, their entire secondary was out. So, like, Cooks went off. It was a little bit easier for Goff. Like the rest of the Rams don't look good. And Cleveland's defense could be great at times. But sorry to cut you off. I'll throw that out there. No, no. I mean, it's a good point. That's why Brandon Cooks had the big game. I was worried about him if he was going up against Denzel Ward. But I said if he's not, then he's definitely a guy you really want to start this week. Woods was okay. For the Browns, really, one guy had a good game. It was Nick Chubb. That was it. Yeah. I mean, Odell Beckham in the PPR league was fine, but not, you know, even a full PPR league was, what, 11.6? So, eh. Like, again, this is where I, this is where I warned you in the preseason about, like, these people that were drafting Baker Mayfield in the top five. You got, like, 
Stop projecting so yeah. much. Like we, you, you have a, when you have a cache of knowledge about which players perform all the time. Stop taking these unnecessary risks with guys that you think are going to take not just a small leap forward, a massive leap forward in their next year. And that's what people like to do with Baker Mayfield and Rich Trubisky and, and Kyler Murray. And you're paying for it right now. Yeah, you also got to know you, you're you had a lot of unknowns coming in with a, a new coaching staff, right? A first time head coach. You have to factor those things in when you're talking about this stuff. And if you listen to our shows going into the season, these are things we talk about because it matters. The football aspect matters, right? You don't overanalyze and you don't go too much one way or the other. But that's why the combination of, yeah, the fantasy analytics tell you this, but knowledge of coaches and knowledge of football tells you a lot too. And this is one of those things we told you going into the season. All right, quickly, guys, Monday night football tonight, Chicago Bears going on the road to play the Washington Redskins. The Redskins are five, five and a half point underdogs here. Jake, who are you picking tonight? I got the Bears 30 to 20. I think the offense kind of goes off and gets back on track. I think they hit some deep shots. I think Allen Robinson has a big night. I think Trubisky looks better. Um, I think Montgomery has a solid, you know, I think he's really becoming the running back as Cohen becomes kind of a slot guy. Um, and their defense is going to go off. I think the skins will hang in there for a little bit, but I think that the Bears have too much and pull away. And I think they, they all want to look like the Bears on Monday night. You know, I mean, that's still a giant media market with a huge fan base. Uh, I, I think they look really, really solid. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears as well here. Uh, I do think it's going to be a fairly close game, maybe seven points. Uh, but I, I think Washington's a little bit better than people think in terms of like they don't – they're not a team I see getting blown out too often. It's going to happen, but uh, this Bears team has to win. You have to win these games, yeah, even on the absolutely. road. Like if, if you if you fancy yourself a division title contender, which I, every Bears fan and every Bears player believes that's the case – you have to be able to go on the road against a bad team and get a win. You yep. have to do it. And I believe that they will. They've had a little extra time to prepare here. I need to see something from Mitch. Like, I need to see something from him. They're not going to win this game by just running the ball on the ground. They can't just rely on their defense to get two defensive touchdowns for them. Mitch is going to have to do something in this game. And he's going to have the opportunity to. It's not exactly a world-beating defense. No, I think this is that game. I think I think Matt Nagy, I think this is the game you see David Montgomery featured a little bit more. I think this is the game you see a little bit more from Mitch Trubisky than you've seen. Uh, and I think this is the game where, listen, if you know anything about Khalil Mack and this defense and what they did last year, they shine very bright on the big stages. And I think that's what you're going to see this week from this defense is I think Case Keenum's going to get picked off a couple of times. I think the offense is going to be put in a really, really good position. Uh, I, I'm going to pick them to win by a touchdown, right? I don't think it's a blowout just because I think Washington's a little bit better than everybody, just because Case Keenum's a little bit better than everybody gives him credit for. And I, I think Gruden's a damn good coach. So 27-20, Bears get the victory, cover the spread, and uh, move to 2-1. and one. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah, it was a good week. You know, a lot of good football. The preseason is so bad anymore. The weeks one and two are almost extended preseasons. You're starting to see better football, less penalties. I mean, still a lot of penalties. Like Thursday night game was horrendous, but there's just cleaner football, better football. It's better to watch. And I'm excited about that moving forward now that we've got those first couple crappy weeks out of the way. I'm just going to do a cheap plug for my rankings. They'll be out there Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning, if you're listening to this on Monday uh, for week four. Wow. Can't believe it's going to be. Pay attention because they've been damn good. Go look at what Jamie puts out there, man. It's it's as good as anybody There's in the industry. A lot of time on them, and I think a lot of time today that's going to be dug dug into. And you're gonna, I think you're going to be surprised. I think I'm going to be surprised where I have some of the big names ranked because this is kind of the week where we're starting to hit those sample sizes of you know what, I, where would I would I really play Le'Veon Bell over X player? Like those kind of conversations are going to have to be made this week because 
We're going to start dealing into buys, and some of you are 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh and three, and you don't have time. To, you can't afford to lose another matchup. Yeah, no, this was uh, – Oh, i got one other parting thought. I'm going to throw another panic meter out there, Leonard Fournette. That's one we need to talk about because Gardner Minstash Minshew I am in love with looks freaking good, and their running game has been. I'm awful. gonna tease that. And we'll we'll leave it for Wednesday. Well, that's that one. That's that's the one we're gonna talk about on Wednesday. Uh, my parting thoughts are, as Jake said, there were a lot less penalties, and I think it's interesting because Tom Brady speaks and the league listens. There were half as many half as many holding penalties this Sunday as there were last Sunday. Right. That that's I heard that stat this morning on ESPN. Shout out to Mike Golick Jr. who said, hey, Tom Brady starts tweeting about how he's turning off the football game. It's interesting how quickly the league starts to pay attention. Uh, the TB12 brand stays strong. Jake, how can everybody follow you on Twitter? Jamie, follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter at TDN fantasy on Instagram and check out the rankings tomorrow morning, the draft Happy Monday. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.